0: Welcome back to our study of the Gospel according to Matthew. We're in chapter 25, which concludes Jesus' end times discourse. Uh, The whole thing divides into two main sections, really. Uh, The first follows Mark pretty closely and describes Jesus' answer to the disciples' question about when the destruction of the temple will be and when Jesus' coming will be. But actually, Matthew's version is quite a bit longer. Mark only ends with a quick little parable about a man going on a journey and putting someone in charge. Matthew, however, has a good deal more material and expands this parabolic conclusion to Jesus' end times discourse. The version, as Matthew has it, contains long and famous parables to reinforce the main point about being prepared for the end. Moreover, these stories have fascinating differences, and, and while they all hover around the basic idea of preparedness, uh, they get at different nuances of what that looks like in the interim period. Uh, the text before us, Matthew 25, 1-30, uh, contains two parables, uh, the 10 foolish virgins and the three servants. Both highly emphasize the idea of being in the interim period, uh, being faithful during the delay of the parousia, or the coming of Jesus. In this regard, they are of a piece with the parable from our last session, uh, the one about the wise turned foolish servant. This is a big idea, and before we get into the parables more specifically, we should observe how this fits in with what we might call uh, the end times discourse proper, uh, the order of events leading up to the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus had said that all these things would take place within a generation, And they would be like the leaves on a fig tree, signifying that the summer was near. In other words, uh, things would get much worse before they would ultimately get better. Things getting worse should not take the disciples off guard. In fact, they should see them as indications that the coming of Jesus is drawing near. And yet, as we discussed last time, that day and hour is ultimately unknowable. Uh, This idea gets expanded in the following parables. Uh, There will be a significant delay between the signs and the coming itself. Uh, The unknowable interim period is highly important and calls for careful response. We can think of it this way. Uh, In in the last episode, I talked about how we don't know when Jesus will return. Today, next year. And then, uh, as I was uh, speaking, I, I picked a time period that seemed huge and outlandish. I said maybe even a 1,000 years. We can imagine early Christians thinking about the return of Jesus and maybe they would even say something similar. Maybe today, uh, maybe not, maybe next year, maybe a decade, maybe even in a 1,000 years. Can you imagine their surprise if we could go back in time and tell the disciples or Matthew's community uh, that it's been about 2,000 years? The delay has been significant. These parables describe what a proper response looks like, as well as what an improper response looks like. Uh, The first one for today, uh, the Ten Virgins, describes the problem of thinking the delay will be too short, whereas the second focuses on how one acts during the interim period. Keep your eye out for how these differences interact as I uh, read both parables. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him! Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there won't be enough for us and for you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled the accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and uh, brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew that "'You were a hard man reaping where you did not sow "'and gathering where you scattered no seed, "'and I was afraid and went away "'and hid your talent in the ground. "'See, what you have is yours.' "'But his master answered and said to him, "'You wicked, lazy slave. "'You knew that I reap where I did not sow "'and gather where I scattered no seed. "'Then you ought to have put my money into the bank, "'and on my arrival I would have received my money "'back with interest.' Therefore, take away the talent from him, and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he has shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did you catch it? The first parable hinges on the idea of thinking that the master will come sooner than expected, with the result that there is not enough longevity to endure to the end. This contrasts the previous parable in Matthew 24 where the slave thinks he has more time than he does. Here, the foolish virgins think that they have less time than they do. The resulting message is that we should be prepared for either scenario We can't risk gambling on Jesus taking too long, and we can't risk thinking he will come back too soon. Though we can't be certain about the exact uh, cultural details to which Jesus was referring, the likeliest reconstruction is that Jesus refers to a practice of a torch dance, accompanying the bridegroom as he entered the wedding feast. The fact that they are described as virgins means we should imagine someone in their early teens, R.T. France calls them the silly girls. They have thought the procession would take place right away, and so did not bring an extra jar of oil. Again, we can't be entirely certain, but probably the idea is that these girls would have had torches, bits of cloth tied to the ends of a pole that would have been dipped in oil. Uh, They had enough to last them a little while, but evidently not throughout the whole night. Some have tried to identify some sort of symbolic connection, like the oil represents the Holy Spirit, or good works, or something like that. It's best to see this just as a general feature of the parable, uh, to make the whole thing work. Uh, there's no attention giving to the antecedent. Instead, the point is to contrast being prepared versus unprepared. Because these silly girls have not made the long-term investment, they end up being unprepared. And the result is disastrous. They are not allowed into the marriage feast. Again, this is another instance in which a marriage feast symbolizes the kingdom of God. They are not allowed into the kingdom. The door is shut. I can't help but wonder, given that Jesus has just brought up Genesis uh, account of Noah and people marrying and giving in marriage in Noah's day, if there isn't a subtle echo here of God shutting the door of the ark, it is shut. Salvation is not possible. It's too late. He will say, I never knew you. A clear reference back to the ominous words of 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. But the would-be disciples envisioned in Matthew 25 are those who started well, but again they did not finish. Whereas the slave in in chapter 24 thought he had more time than he did. The silly little girls in chapter 25 think that they have less time than they did. The next parable, the one about the slaves and the talents, reinforces this same point about the necessity of faithful obedience and mission. But the focus isn't so much on time, but on the accountability of the believer during the interim period. The former has to do with longevity of our work. This one has to do with the accountability of our work. A master gives one servant five talents, which actually is a huge amount of money. It's around, uh, it's around 100 years of man labor. Another is given two talents, um, but both receive a 100% return. The one who receives five gives back an additional five, and the one who received two gives back another two. It should be noted that the master's words to both slave number one and slave number two are the exact same. Well done, good and faithful servant or slave. You have been faithful over little, I will set you over much, enter into the joy of your master. The emphasis is on faithfulness. There is no suggestion that slave number two gets rewarded less than slave number one. Both have appropriately invested their resources and so God will reward them entering in the joy parallels entering the wedding feast in the previous parable, signifying kingdom entrance. But more than that, the individual receives two things, corresponding to two things that any believer should value. The praise of the master and being a great ruler in the coming kingdom. These rewards have been discussed earlier in Matthew, as he has repeatedly talked about those who are great or even the greatest in the kingdom as opposed to those who are least? These characters invite comparison with the previous parable about the wise, then foolish slave in chapter 24. Faithful service includes expecting the master to come back, but it also means working hard during the period of absence. It's not enough to avoid the bad example of the earlier slave and have the attitude, well, I mean, I don't beat my fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunkards. Uh, That's certainly one kind of way a wise servant can go bad. Don't be an abusive, drunk slave. Uh, but, But another kind is described in chapter 25, the wicked and slothful servant. It's not enough to avoid the first bad example. We also have to avoid the second. It's not enough for a believer to say, well, I haven't fallen off the deep end. I haven't abandoned my family and wasted my life in drugs and alcohol. But... Have you wasted your life with TV sitcoms and keeping up with the Joneses? Both are thrown into a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. God has given you your resources, time, talents, abilities, opportunities, and he expects you to invest them. Is your talent producing more talents? If not, does that bother you? Plowing ahead, ignoring the voice of conviction, that, hey, you are not accomplishing anything, uh, that activity is spiritually dangerous. Now, don't get me wrong. Faithfulness is what matters. Jesus' parable allows for people who faithfully labor year after year, say like missionaries, but don't see much fruit. It may be that there is fruit, that we're, but we're just not seeing it. One man plants and another waters. God gives the increase. Uh, we could think of this potentially as receiving less talents. So long as you are faithful, God will reward you. The example of Jesus is especially significant here. Uh, Going to the cross looked like failure, but it was the greatest success in history. So, as a spiritual perspective, our job is not to compare ourselves with others, but to focus on our own service and ask the hard question, am I investing what God gave me? We could also apply this at the church level, Some churches have been around for a long time and aren't yielding any dividends for the Lord. Having the wise servant mindset means asking, what can we change to be more effective while still being faithful?